Hello and welcome to episode 146 of the Film Yak podcast. I'm John. I'm Kevin. And I'm JR. This week we're talking my pick, the 2019 Logan Marshall Green directed Adopt a Highway, starring Ethan Hawke and a baby. And we're also going to be uh, talking about other stuff we watched and a couple of trailers. So let's talk about those trailers, guys. Big trailers releasing. It's a big year for auteur cinema, is it not? I mean, there's a shitload of like big name directors, respected directors, mm-hmm. with films coming out this year. Linklater, Fincher, Jeff Nichols, Scorsese... Kelly Reichardt had a film. Like, literally shitloads of directors. Mm. Nolan, Wes Anderson has two. Greta Gerwig. Yeah. Wes Michael, Anderson's. Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton's got the big one that uh, flopped. And Chris Pine, too, getting into the director's chair with, with one of the worst-reviewed movies of a... What? Yeah, Dennis, I, I saw think. that. Or Tiff, maybe. It was Tiff, I think. I think the, but, the um, Michael Keaton one was, a, uh, was another Hitman movie. Yeah, yeah. Lots of Hitman movies. Yeah, it's bizarre. Mm. Oh yeah, Harmony Corinne. That's another one. Like, oh yeah, lots, lots of, lots of, uh, like, sort of well-respected, spanning the gamut, from art house to blockbuster. Mm. Uh, yeah, and they're all about Hitman. <laughs> but uh, so let's talk about one of the Hitman ones. Uh, David Fincher's The Killer, starring Michael Fassbender. What do you guys think of this trailer? I'm in. Uh, I thought it was really, you know, like, I like the kind of, you know, anxiety of it. Like, you know, in pretty much every, you know, hitman narrative, it's like, you know, you've got the code, stick to the code. And then, you know, the narrative is going to be they don't stick to the code and things start to mm-hmm. things start to go awry. But like the trailer actually like puts you into the headspace of that anxiety of like not living by not having followed the code so i thought that was a unique spin on it yes i agree i am excited for it um i just like when fincher does violence i think he does violence extremely well and i'm excited to see people getting shot in the david fincher movie again you know that's exciting to me you don't get a lot of that (laughs) in his last i'm trying to think it was man there's nothing in mank Right, it's like he took mm-hmm. a one film break from violence. No, what was the Mank. what was the movie before before Mank? Was it not Gone Girl? I don't know. Yeah, Gone Girl doesn't have any shooting though, right? No, I want to see people getting shot. Nice. Jr. Okay. <laughs> well, does, it does have old girl like wailing on herself in the eye with a hammer. So that's I mean, she, she cuts that guy's throat. Disturbing. I think that's that's the. You know, blood, yeah, bloody yeah, yeah. Par- portion of the film, and that is a good scene. But um, I don't know. This looks exciting to me. It's uh, I like Fassbender. I like Fincher. It looks like you know, it's uh, just a good, dirty thriller, mm. and I'm psyched. I love Panic Room. You know, I'm not one of these people who uh, hates on his genre work. Oh. Uh, you know, it looks, um, I think it looks cold and meticulous and in all the right ways. So 
just like its lead character probably yeah um Mm. yeah (laughs) (laughs) and then of course um jeff nichols also returning for the first time in years and years with his new biker gang movie period piece starring uh austin butler and uh and uh tom hardy as Goofy accent, accent man. <laughs> His accent. <laughs> that's the only thing I really like. I want to see this movie because it's Jeff Nichols, and I'm appreciate what you know that like I like him as a director. But the, the, Tom Hardy is comical. His voice is comical in this trailer. It's so high pitched and whiny, and everybody in this trailer has a Chicago accent, like a really thick Chicago accent. <laughs> And it's like it's rough. Is everyone from Chicago? Do they all talk like the Bears guys on Saturday Night Live? I mean, it's absurd. <laughs> yeah, the 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 video I watched on YouTube just now, like somebody made a thing about Jodie Comer's accent. Like, oh what yeah, is she's this? brutal too, dude. She's really bad. Austin Butler doesn't seem to be doing that as much, but you know, it's hard to say. He doesn't say much throughout the trailer. So, mm. what do you guys think of the trailer though, outside of the accents? I think it looks like there's a stupid framing device. This movie does not look interesting to me. The interview, uh, interviewing in yeah, the so laundromat. <laughs> this is like the, this is like the same shit as like, would you be my neighbor? And like that kind of, <laughs> just like, instead, but instead of like interviewing a celebrity for a biopic, we're interviewing a, a person with a really bad accent. Who's going to talk about, you know, how she loved her man. You know, just like, even though he just stabs people all the time and stuff. See, that's what I'm excited to see him stab people. So, ah. like that scene in the middle of the trailer where the guys ask him to take his jacket off. Like, they get into some fight in the in the bar. Like, I want to see that scene. That's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it's overly uh. simplistic, but it I don't know that works for me. I'm into it. Yeah. I I don't know. You know, I obviously I hope this movie is better than uh, than my opinion of the trailer makes it sound. But the um, I'm glad Jeff Nichols is back. I hope that Jeff Nichols is back in like a, a very productive, prolific sort of way. Like he, you know, he used to just like shit out these movies. You know, he was like a, he did him, he did, he was like a two a year guy. Two a year? That one time. <laughs> His uh, Midnight Special in Love came out the same year. Right. And nobody oh. saw Midnight Special. And neither of those movies were great. I'm no, glad it's And I, yeah, neither. he has some very good movies, and he has some movies that were interesting. I never saw Love. Uh, but Midnight Special was an interesting movie that just wasn't as good as it maybe should have been. But yeah, I, yeah. I want him making interesting movies. Uh, the Bike Riders looks just pretty bland to me, and I didn't like read any other reviews for it. So, I'll, you know, who knows? Well, uh, and I'll probably spoiler, spoiler, the reviews are saying it's bland. So. Oh, fuck me. <laughs> Well, I don't know how much I could, like the reviews for the killer were kind of all over the place with a lot of people not loving it. And I still am excited to see that. So, you know, whatever the festival audiences and critics can be weird too. They're all like, they're just like the critics are like locked in these theaters watching like four movies per day and like shitting out reviews. I'm sorry that I keep saying shitting. I'm sort of shitting like a, out reviews. There's a lot of poop drop in my house right now. It's true, though. It's Understandable. true. They are. Uh, 
I can only imagine like having to write something and trying to be poignant and clever and meaningful about your, 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 I, I feel like so many of the reviews would just be like, like, who cares? This is my 15th movie. I don't care about this movie. I have nothing interesting to write about it. Yeah. It's like, it's almost like at a certain point in a festival, it's like, if you're not being wowed by the movie, it's like, you're mad at it. Cause you, you have to be there still. Right. I, I am. I'm projecting a lot onto uh, an experience that I've never had and never will have, but the, uh, I just, it's hard to imagine. Never will have? Yeah, I'm never going to be professionally writing reviews oh, at okay. a festival. I thought you meant you'd never yeah. go to a festival. No, I think, I don't know, maybe for like my 40th birthday, uh, year, the year of my 40th birthday, I think I want to go to Sundance. Get a, no, to Telluride. <laughs> Telluride. Mm, yeah. so it's a few hours away and local. It's a beautiful, beautiful town. Like mountains all around. Like you could like wake up and go hiking, and then go lock yourself into the theater and see movies. I'd like to do uh, TIFF one year. That's my goal, at some point, because they seem to have all of the really good movies. And uh, I want to visit Toronto, obviously. So, love to visit Canada in general. Mm. Yeah. Kevin, what do you think about this movie? We didn't even. We just been talking about nonsense. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> I gotta say, like when y'all when y'all were like Jeff Nichols is back, I was like, who? Because oh. uh, I like to, I'm sorry to me Jeff Nichols is not a name. I've seen Midnight Special, but I, other than that, I you didn't see I Mud. Have, I have no no oh, Mud's no. great. You should watch Mud. 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 Shotgun yeah. Stories is great. Too. Shotgun Stories is really yeah. good. Yeah, these are all and these, um, Take Shelter. I didn't like Take Shelter as much oh, as uh, most people do, but um, yeah. but yeah, a lot of people think that's like one of his best ones. So he was gonna direct the uh, after Midnight Special. I remember he was in talks to direct the sequel to Quiet Place, and then he mm. dropped out of that for whatever reason. Yeah, he also he's been like out doing interviews, I guess at at the the festivals. Did this this premiered at was this Venice? I don't know. Uh, I think it. I think it was at Venice. Whatever festival it premiered at, he was definitely making the rounds, and he had some other movie where he was like the the finished product. Like my my version was much weirder. No, it uh, premiered at Telluride actually. Okay. That's why. Hmm. That's why you got to get to Telluride. Yeah. Telluride gets a uh, big movies, and they they had um. I could have sworn it was Venice. That's weird. They had yeah. the. Shit, what the fuck is it called? Um, poor things. They had poor things. Oh, I tell you, right. And Emma, Emma Stone Ooh. was there. But that did that premiere to Venice, right? Because that was or a can't. But in those, it was Venice. Yeah. Venice and Toronto run like at least this year it was partially concurrent. Oh, okay, um, that must be where the some of the confusion might have been um okay mm. and then finally we got to talk about this uh michael mann another director who is back after a long hiatus what was his last movie black hat for god's sake i believe so mm. that's in 2015 ish yeah that's uh way too long to go without a michael mann film in my opinion even though black hat is not great but um what do you guys think of the trailer for ferrari it's like pretty I mean sexy car sexy car sounds. Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> sexy car sounds and like 
they they cut it so that it looked like a Terrence Malick movie for parts of it. Lots of uh like natural light as he's like dancing with his uh daughter or whatever. Yeah, it's, it does look digital. I mean like and he is that's like his thing, but it doesn't look it doesn't look the like sort of cheap digital aesthetic that he was using for like um collateral and sh- and public enemies, but it looks like it almost I hate to say this, it looks kind of like um like that movie Gotti. <laughs> <laughs> I know, like with Travolta. Yeah. Kim, yeah. you saw that. I didn't see it. I'm saying, okay. but the the, tr- the I watched a long video critiquing it uh, the other day, actually, and it just <laughs> parts of the it, it's it's cinematography look very similar to this, and I don't mm. think that that's a. Um, I feel like it's a conscious thing for man, and probably not for E from Entourage, who directed Gotti. I don't remember his name, but uh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> It just feels like it was a constraint to the budget with Gotti, and in this, it's like obviously man has a thing for that. So, mm. but uh, I yeah, I, I think it looks really good. I'm I'm interested in it. Like I I said, um, did we we texted about this trailer, right? Because <laughs> I'm pretty sure we did. Yeah, I feel like I made this comment already that Shailene Woodley is scary to me. I don't like her being in it, but um, you know, yeah. everybody else looks good. I mean, I think I'm sure Adam Driver is going to do a good job. I don't for me. It just looked like, OK, it's another biopic. So I'm hoping that, you know, it has more merit than the trailer is showing, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it like it's there's nothing on its surface that's terribly exciting, but I feel like the it'll get it'll get by because of the performances and hopefully some of the car stuff will be cool. I don't know. Um, yeah. He also directed uh, a couple of episodes of Tokyo vice. Uh, mm. too. Which I did not see. It's good. You should watch. Tokyo mm. vice. And he, he wrote uh heat Two, the book. Right. And he's making mm. a movie. <laughs> that is happening. I wonder if Adam driver will find a way to put on an Italian accent for that one too. He's gonna be uh, De Niro, just, young De Niro. He's just all Italian all oh. the time. <laughs> yeah, he's supposed to be young De Niro. He's in talks. I don't know if he's actually been confirmed yet. Mm. Also, you know, also uh, is Coppola's movie coming out this year? Not Priscilla, yeah. uh, Father Coppola, Megalopolis. Megalopolis. No, it's not coming out this year. I don't think. I don't think they finished filming it. Mm. Yeah, wasn't that like halted for like reasons? Um, was it? You know, I don't know. I, I want to say it was like money. It's it's had, it's, but, you know, but this was like long before stuff. the SAG oh, stuff. Filming filming wrapped March thirtieth. Okay. So. Oh okay. Post production. It says post production has been granted a waiver, so they're good to go. <laughs> Why would they need a waiver? I don't know. It says in August twenty twenty two, granted a waiver WGA. during the okay. SAG AFTRA AFTRA strike. Mm-hmm. Okay, I don't understand why that would be. Well, because they, they might have to do reshoots, or they might have to do voiceover, or like additional dialogue recording. And they need okay. actors there for that. I mean, mm, cool. Yeah, ADR. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it, you know, there have been all kinds of articles about how it's like a nightmare set, and yeah, Adam they, Driver. They love that. Adam Driver himself is out there saying like, oh, "I was chill, it was cool, it's fine." He said it's one of the best shooting experiences of my life. He says. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's a lot of like. They want like Coppola they, to fail. Like they always chum. have. Yeah, there's like blood in the water. It's like, ooh, yeah. Coppola is like paying for his own movie. Yeah. It's going to be expensive. It's supposed to be big. Um, if they can just like, yeah, latch on to any issue, 
I can have my own um, my own apocalypse piece, you know. They keep or, doubting mm, him too. It's like just, just look at what he did with apocalypse. Everybody said it was going to be a nightmare. Everybody said it was going to be a huge disaster, and then it fucking comes out and wins the Palm Door. It's a classic. It's a classic. This movie's going to be amazing. That's a long time ago. He's he's still the man. I have faith. You love mm. you love Twix. I do. I absolutely yeah. do. I've I've stood by that. I think I made you guys watch it for this podcast. Yes, but, uh, yes, you yes, did. You did. But I also know that is not a movie that most people are going to think of as a classic in the future. Well, yeah. Have you, have you seen? Have you had a chance to see that um, recut that he did? No, I don't believe in it. Um, I believe uh, <laughs> that Twix was a, a wonderful movie. It did not need to be recut. I think that Coppola should stand by his work. I might uh, Maybe I'll watch check it because I, I didn't like it. So <laughs> I, yeah, might watch, I might watch the recut. Lots of people yeah. can be wrong, and that's okay. All right. Um, <laughs> let's talk about what we watched. Uh, since our last show, who's going first? Oh, wait. No, we're not going. We're not doing what we watched. I fucked up. Oh, that's right. We fucked changed up again. our format, guys. We did it again. <laughs> we're doing the main <sighs> review right now. <laughs> we got to. Yeah, we got to. Our pre-production meetings need to be more detail-oriented. <laughs> or just have one. You mean all. to happen? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so we're anyways, talking about headphone sounds. Yeah. Here's our, uh, this is our main review. Our deep dive this week is my pick, Adopt a Highway from 2019, directed by Logan Marshall Green, starring Ethan Hawke, Elaine Hendricks, Diane Gaeta, Betty Gabriel. I don't know who these people are, but <laughs> anyways, you get the impression. It's just, it's an Ethan Hawke vehicle. Okay, guys? Yeah. He's the star of the show here. You're watching it because he's in it. Um, what, uh, what did you guys think of Adopt a Highway? I've seen this movie before, obviously. So what did you guys think? So to start off with, you know, just real, like, um, I don't know, real something. There's that scene where little Ella is asleep and she's on the edge of the bed. Yeah. So my wife uh, babysits regularly. And as soon as I saw that on the screen, I was like, no, 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 get her off, get her, no, move her, move her, move her, move her, move her, because I knew that that baby was gonna fall off that bed, and sure enough, sure, yeah, sure, yeah. Of course, it doesn't happen. It doesn't. I like I have the yeah. You don't see it, but well, no, no, no. Why it doesn't happen the first time the baby is on the edge of the bed, right? That's it true, happens that's later true. on. And I remember, because I remember, I think in the trailer they cut it. They show that scene, and they cut it to make it look like the baby falls off the edge of the bed during that scene, that first scene when she's on the edge sleeping the first time. And uh, I remember I was watching it this time. I was thinking, oh, man, that baby's about to fall any second. And then it doesn't happen. Yeah. I was like, oh, what's going on here? But anyways, yeah, I agree. Um, I guess I sh- <laughs> we should say that this movie is about um, a man who, as a young man, was arrested uh, for a third time, I suppose, third strike for dealing marijuana in California mm. and got 25 years but only served 21 of them and then got out. And that's 44-year-old Ethan Hawke, who is now working as a dishwasher at a burger joint. 
mm-hmm. called Troy's, yeah. which the burgers look delicious, I have to say. And uh, <laughs> and then uh, and he sort of uh, is a man, fish out of water. He doesn't know how the world operates and how technology works. And he's uh, he finds a baby in a dumpster and decides to take care of it. So, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> just wanted to make that clear. And then other stuff mm. happens also, but yeah. yeah. This, this movie was almost like a episodic. Like there are three, almost like twenty-five minute sections each. Mm. You know, it's like release from prison, and you know, see him dealing with parole and job and things like that. And then we have the baby stuff, and then um, the baby exits the picture much earlier than I expected, mm. and he has this this other journey, and um. I liked all uh, of the sections of this movie, even though one of my notes uh, is the premise with the baby is horrifying and I hate it. I didn't actually hate it, but I just like, it was like watching this, this guy who cannot like function in life very well, like, trying to deal with a baby uh, was, was very mm. stressful. Um, yes. mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I did. I struggled sort of like to put everything together like I really liked the bus ride, um, and like the the I guess his interactions with uh I think her name was Diane, with Elaine Hendricks, and mm. uh, but it was still sort of like I was struggling with why this mattered and why what came before mattered. Um, yeah, I I enjoyed this movie, and I enjoyed Ethan Hawke a great deal. Yeah, he's great. Um, I did too. The um, yeah. So after he loses the baby, I mean, he gives it up to the, the whatever. Does, the yeah, that's what he should people. have done instantly. But. Well, mm. he doesn't really. I mean, he does it, but he doesn't want to do it. Yeah, it sort of yeah, just happens yeah. because he but, makes the mistake of bringing the baby to a, a, a doctor, <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it's just yeah. I don't know. Anyway. Um, but I was gonna say, um, uh, yeah. After that, he goes on. A, he he decides to to essentially uh, skip out on his parole, which isn't really addressed at all. But he's not allowed to leave the state yet, right? <laughs> right. Well, I don't know. Like he's, he he's says, skipping. like the the parole officer says they're not going to be meeting in person anymore. But he has to keep emailing him this stuff. So it's yeah. Like, he says like I another mean, yeah, he, couple yeah. of months or something. But it's yeah. It's but it's the like the detective who like he starts feeling the heat from the detective about the baby thing, mm-hmm. and she's like, mm-hmm. "We think you found, you know, we think you found this baby somewhere else earlier than you said, um, and we are aware of your parole and we're aware of your record and stuff like that." Sure. And Logan Marshall Green even makes a point to uh, replay that conversation as he's uh, packing up, which. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not questioning why he does it. It's obvious why he does it. But the the. But I just think it's like it's, it's it's uh it's just weird that like that's not like he comes back and nothing happens. Like he's totally fine. So yeah, well, (laughs) because what does he do when he gets back? He starts using his email. Yeah. He's, he's quite frequently. Like he's, so he's, apparently. Taking, he's taking so care of the clerical suit. issues. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, he's got an email and he has a suit, so we can infer. Money. I think he has we, money. Is the point? Yeah, we can yeah. infer oh, yeah, that yeah. now he's just telling the cops the truth and it's fine. And like, he clearly didn't harm this kid. 
Well, he was telling the truth the whole time. Though. I mean, he said he never said anything wrong, right? Except for, except for he when wanted. he found the baby. But yeah. he said, I found the baby in the dumpster. I took the, the baby home. But he's there, he never says, uh, he just says it happened later than it actually did. Because he right. hung out but, with the baby. He had to take he, the baby to Coney Island or whatever, you know? He's, <laughs> he just he sets up a situation where it's like, he clearly lied to the police. And mm-hmm. so that immediately makes the police suspicious of him. And that's um, that's a bad idea. Don't do that. Of course. When you're on parole. But he doesn't want to get in trouble. Because then you that, go back to jail unless you have uh, your dead father's stamp collection. But that's that's an interesting that I think that's what makes the movie good uh, structurally or like the way it's written is that it deals with the the sort of irony of the justice system in the same way mm. as like the irony of the of him. Like whenever he meets his parole officer the first time, he said he says, I don't in order to get an email, I have to have an email and I don't have an email. So how'd I get one? Which isn't true, but it's like it's interesting, you know. It's still it's, it's, it's still a great like, misunderstanding of sure exactly. How it works, and though. then it's like because because I guess you could see that and be like if you don't know what you're doing, you could see it like it's a like you need a recovery email things like this, right? And then it's mm-hmm. like uh, in order to uh, avoid getting in trouble with the police, he's going to get himself in more trouble with the police by lying, right? So it's just like there's like this constant sort of uh, ironic, uh, I don't know, irony from his behavior or whatever his reactions to the the world around. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was going to say that on this bus ride that he takes to his family, his hometown, I guess. He doesn't actually go to mm. see his family's all dead. But he goes to his hometown and uh, the bus ride with the woman who's Elaine Hendricks, you said. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. 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 That was my least favorite part of the film. I hate Elaine Hendricks. I hate her in this movie. I hate her character. She's so, I thought the score was obnoxious. The score is so over the top and like in every scene and just loud as fuck. And then, and then I was like, I was like, wow, this is crazy. Nothing could be as obnoxious as the score. And then Elaine Hendricks showed up and she was even worse. (laughs) So, (laughs) so, I mean, I have to like calling him dude all the time. Hey man. Hey dude. Hey, thanks for the sandwich, bro. Like she, she wasn't I, meant to be likable, and I, uh, I liked I can't it. Stand her. She wasn't supposed to be I mean, likable. How do you? But how could you say that? Our main character is obviously enamored with her because he's has no like interaction with women at all, right? Yeah, he's like a, a mm. lost, broken man, and she's of course. appears to be this this troubled and broken woman, and uh, he he's like, you know, all I have is this young manager. That's the only person I've ever seen. Um, Mm-hmm. You know, he's never seen a blonde before. Uh, <laughs> he's never, never seen people <laughs> screaming. And, you know, oh, she's, she she gives him the chips. And that's like... A blonde. That's, that's obnoxious. Like, that's so written that she would, for any reason, buy him those chips makes zero sense to me. Okay, so it's such a movie thing to do. This, it's like that whole, the whole reality of the film breaks down in that moment for me. This is the my biggest criticism of the movie is like for me in a movie of moments that are so overwritten and cute and tidy that movie like that that didn't even register because like I'm already I'm already so deep into how tidy everything is and then and then like I find out that this like this lovely little anecdote that he tells Ella about the stamp collection like now it's now it's Deus Deus X stamp collection like that's it's annoying. Um, now it's what? You, 
it's a deus ex machina right oh it's the oh. stamp collection that saves them <laughs> i was like, confused what you were your talking random about dad that we have that we <laughs> i get it okay for yeah, us yeah. Is, it's just like yeah now you're all set now you have money it's like this this is too clean it's too clean it's too tidy and the structure of the movie is not that so like when there are these little moments that and again i think this is like a a bad impulse thing from from logan marshall green like the way that he starts the movie with these newspaper clippings and um all of the 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 clips that make it clear like the three what the three strike system is well you Mm -hmm. don't need that intro if you're going to have ethan hawk later say you know i got busted for an ounce of weed it was my third strike in the state of california like one of those interactions needs needs to go or one of those pieces needs to go like and it's obviously it's obvious, it's obvious which one of those needs to go right i, I mean i think the intro needs to go i hate the yeah, intro. i agree i agree because okay. hey, the he later was a scene, fan of killing them softly give him a break because the later scene also does also has the uh the, the cafe character guy who is so good you are literally fucking me right now. Yeah. Like, it's disbelief. <laughs> like that guy is an injection of humor in the film, which is great. And uh, yeah, they explain the whole three strikes thing, which they don't really explain. It's not super well. I mean, you'd have to really read what's going on in those first uh, newspaper clippings. Or should I get the impression that he's been arrested when he was a kid and he's getting out when he's an adult, but Mm. and what it's for and everything but i mean the whole three strikes thing I, and i like the idea that when the guy says you know they don't do that anymore and then like his face you know like i know i lost half my fucking life to it and they don't do it anymore you know and it's basically it's legal now yeah it's bullshit yeah i gotta agree with uh john on the um like i mean as, as far as i'm concerned you know elaine Hendricks understood the assignment and she was annoying I always I always have a problem with, you know, having, you know, introvert character meeting extrovert character. Yeah. I hate that trope. It is so tired. And like I don't remember much else about the movie, but I remember there's this movie gigantic with uh, Paul Dano and Zoe Deschanel. And like it's that kind of thing. But yeah. at the end of it, you realize that like, oh, no, like Paul Dano actually does have his life in order and it's. Zoe Deschanel, you know, the outgoing extrovert, she's the one who actually has the problems that needed to be solved one way or another. So that was a nice little twist on that. But yeah, like I I am so tired of, you know, extroverts pulling people out of their shells and like that passing as, you know, character development. But she she doesn't, though, like she doesn't get. Ethan Hawke out of his shell. Like he's engaging in a conversation poorly and it's mostly one-sided. Like she's just yelling at him uh, when the conversation doesn't go exactly how he wants it to. And it's like, he definitely is like, you know, he's sad to see her go and stuff like that. But you know, it, it it's just, it's a, it's an episode. It, it ends. Ethan Hawke does not change because of this woman. Um, I don't think. And she doesn't change because of him. She's just a, see, a person on a bus. I don't know. I I gotta disagree with you there, Jr. Because right. at the very end of the movie, where would you like to go, sir? And he looks up to the side with that little grin. We know he's going to Denver to see oh. this woman. Oh, do we? I didn't know. I, I didn't think about that. I really, I, I really not. think we do. Denver, in like I, I know he was in prison a long time. He doesn't know how to use email. He doesn't know that Denver's a real city now with lots of people. <laughs> He thinks he's just going to Casper. He's just to like find this woman. He doesn't have a fucking phone. Not, 
he's from Casper. I, well, I know. Like, he just thinks all towns are like Casper. Like, like he oh, just goes somewhere and finds someone. Well, he knows what her work is, where she's going to be at. Because she said, I'm going right, to be at yeah. such and such place. And if I'm still there, come look me up. But no, I, 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 I honestly haven't thought about that. I thought about that more as like an open-ended, like, now he's at a position where he can literally start over. He's got money in the bank, and he can literally go anywhere he wants to go. A, now he's actually adopting the highway. Exactly. Yeah, he's free, he's free to live his life uh, unfettered, as it were. Because all point. it takes is money, you know? Exactly. The money is the answer. <laughs> we don't need character development. We need money. I mean, I don't know. I mean, that, I, I'm not going to say that's that, wrong. <laughs> I think his character is pretty well realized i don't know i I don't know that he changes a ton throughout the film but he's definitely like yeah yeah, you get the impression of like who he is as a person i think if anything he overdoes who his character is like with the like the single finger typing and things it's like the idea that this guy was in prison during the 90s and the early 2000s and never touched a computer is i mean i don't know like they have computers in jails and then let's also like he went to jail in the early 90s. I was using computers in the 80s in school. So I don't know, you know, I mean, the idea that you've never seen a computer or touched a keyboard is a little ludicrous. But and like and, mm. and also just like things like the Internet Cafe, like, I mean, I'm sure that they do have an Internet Cafe in California somewhere, but it just seems like really like it smacks of like, well, this is well, this is 2002 or something. you know? No, but it's it's well, a business that could technically like still exist in uh, like low income areas, which no, no, I agree. It seems I mean, to be it. But yeah, it's possible. I'm sure like I'm sure it does. It just feels like it takes me out of it because now I'm thinking like the minute I see Internet Cafe, I'm thinking like, OK, but we saw Obama on the picture earlier. So we know this is at least 2008. <laughs> So why are the mm. internet cafes still? You know, now I'm thinking about that. So it just becomes like a problem. I don't know. I feel like it's just uh, like he could have just gone to the fucking library, you know? Mm. But yeah, he's got to walk there like from his. Yeah, but okay. Restaurant. Oh my God. Okay. Let's, so the library is next door to the restaurant. It's literally, you can, it's a movie, <laughs> JR. <laughs> you can write whatever you want. I, you know? Yeah. Maybe yeah, they have course. in the restaurant, in the office that he could use, you know? Like it could literally be anything. So why make it an internet cafe? I don't know. It just seems like goofy, but yeah, maybe he wrote this movie, you know, maybe Logan Marshall green. He wrote this, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe, Written he and directed. This, maybe he wrote this movie in like 1999, you know, Which, just, maybe isn't this kid like, isn't he like 30? Uh, I don't believe so. 30 seems a little, I have this image of him. It's, it's very young. I mean, hmm. He's young. He's not old, but he's forty six. He's forty six. Jr. Shit. <laughs> okay. Then what the fuck? He was born in nineteen seventy six. <laughs> wow. Is he thirty? <laughs> That's amazing. This guy he's, is. Oh. <laughs> sorry. This guy is uh, just much much older than than I thought. And I guess yeah. All right. I guess this makes sense. Whew. Wow. All right. Sorry, guys. Um, sorry. So also the fact that this is Blumhouse, did that freak you guys out at the beginning? I I did not know what to think, honestly, because it's like Blumhouse. Yeah. <laughs> maybe it is. Ooh. <laughs> I don't I know. Definitely... Maybe, this, maybe this was before Blumhouse, you know, found their niche or 
yeah, thought I mean, that they well, found their niche. They, I, I imagine that I heard about Blumhouse in 2019. Because um, mm. I know I was aware of them when, uh, like, before the Invisible Man came out, which was February of 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it must have been that's right not right there. Now. But that's not the first. Is that the first Blumhouse? No, what's the first Blumhouse? I don't it's know. Probably Get Out. Isn't it like Paranormal Activity? Isn't that bl- aren't those Blumhouse movies? I don't know. I, j- I just know that I became aware of them sometime oh, around I see. when you're this movie was released. When your awareness started, I see. Yeah, but so they yeah. also did Whiplash and. Uh, yeah, they did 20, 2010. Mostly horror for sure, but. Mm. Oh, Sin- yeah, okay, yes, and that's right. Sidious, I forgot Ethan Hawke. Ethan Hawke had the whole just relationship with them from the Sinister. And Sinister, yeah, Paranormal Activity. Mm. The Gift. They did the gift. That's not a straight horror. Mm. Um, yeah, this is weird. Though. This is this does look. This does appear to be the only one that's not even horror adjacent. I wonder why. Maybe they made this and it was such a dud that they like just were like, well, we tried it. It's over. We got to do horror or mm. as a favor to. Uh, again, it could have been a favor to Ethan Hawke. Ethan Hawke and Logan Marshall Green wanted to get this made, and uh, mm. well, and Ethan Hawke and his, his brother, right? Isn't his brother Ryan Hawke? I'm assuming this is his brother. I don't know. This. Maybe. Yeah, he seems. Yeah, I to think they like ex- exec his, produced. Yeah, he direct he produced all of his directorial stuff. Ethan Hawke's directorial stuff. Anyway, um, I did feel I did get emotional in this movie when he got the stamps from his dad pretty pretty mm. manipulative stuff with the letter and everything but it did get me <laughs> a little verklempt um did that work for you guys uh yeah love the letter um again really liked uh i initially assumed it was going to be like you know a couple of stamps in that envelope yeah. i didn't think it was going to be a whole uh shed he's a millionaire how much yeah. money do you think he actually got from the stamps? Uh-oh. I mean, he gave. How many of them did he give to Ella? Do you think that's what was in there? He said he, it was weird because he gave her an envelope that had stamps all over it, and I'm like, what? What did you? He took the stamps out of the protective film and put them on paper. Oh yeah, that's right. And he said, he keep said, it in the plastic them, to yeah. preserve the stamps. Uh, I yeah. assumed it was like paperwork for the trust. But I think I guess, it is, but yeah, like it was to the outside. I don't know. Maybe it was, uh, maybe yeah. it was, you know, a little bit of a few stamps, a little bit of paperwork, and a little bit of cash, a little bit of kiz ash. Who knows? Maybe, maybe a little kiz ash. Yeah, or maybe those were stamps that weren't worth very much. Uh, oh, found, uh, found a couple. Blumhouse also was involved in the making of Lawless. Ooh. And uh, Tooth Fairy. Oh, okay. Mm. Oh. Those are two two more duds. I'm just kidding with you. Uh, I never saw Tooth Fairy. Um, mm. I will say that uh, I think that like you, I agree with you. It's like a it's like a triptych of like of like vignettes. And uh, I I too even like having seen this before, I remembered it being more about the baby than it actually is, and there being mm. more time spent with that relationship. And I think that. I sort of think that they should have made it more about the baby and had more time with that relationship. That way the ending makes more sense. Cause as it is, it just feels sort of like, 
like you're just like left like well why would he do that why would he like why would he give anything any money to this kid who he doesn't you know outside of the fact that he has this you know it feels like it feels like any sort of relationship that he cultivated over two days with this little baby he it would have worn off during his trip you know and he would have like been thinking straight by then but i guess he's not a straight thinker so Mm. he's not yeah like yeah i think you know there was definitely like the way hawk uh portrays him it's like like it it's not just him like having it's not just him getting out of jail and not being used to the world like there's obviously like other things that are going on like um you know like maybe it's like on the spectrum or something yeah i mean i get the impression that he's I mean, I think I think the idea is that he's been stunted by having been in prison, but mm. it is like sort of weird because I, I don't know. I I mean, I I'd, I'd be interested to know like what what the average psychological impact of being in jail for a long period of time is. Like, I I can't imagine it's this. I can't imagine that most people who get out of twenty years are acting like this guy acts. I don't know. But I think he's thinking <laughs> yeah. to himself. I think the actor, well, Hawk, is thinking to himself, oh, but I was a kid when I went in, so I have to act like naive and like I'm a kid still. Like I don't know anything because I haven't learned anything in 20 years because I've been in a room locked up. And maybe, you know, like maybe he was smoking weed in the 90s as like a, a way to like self medicate. You know, like he had um, some issues and like mm. marijuana helped regulate him. And like he's been, you know, yeah, just without that for. 27 I, years I and he can't, so. can't smoke i'm i know obviously making up something well, but, but i mean that's you know yeah this movie is so short and extremely um short <laughs> light on character <laughs> development that you have to uh you sort of have to do that you know like that's why i think i, I mean it's like you could have easily like I rarely argue for a movie being longer, but I sort of would have liked like 20 more minutes and then just, you know, put more, more shit with him and the baby. But then I guess it, you know, wouldn't make as much sense as far as the, whatever logo Marshall Green's trying to get at with the three, three act structure thing. And, uh, the, mm. the bus ride, the bus ride, like, honestly, like when you started talking about the bus ride and how you don't understand why it's like, why it's there. And I was like, I, yeah, I agree. Like, that's the part I don't get. I get, I get the, I get why he goes on the bus ride. I don't know that we needed to see it. And I get the baby stuff, and I get him at his uh, at the bank getting the thing. I think all that stuff really works. Uh, and him working his job at the beginning of the film works. I just, like him with the woman, you know, other than the fact that it's showing us, you know, again, that he's disconnected from uh, socialization and that he is just going to connect immediately to any woman that shows him any attention at all. But I don't, I think we knew that already. I don't know. I don't know if we needed to have a third of the film dedicated to that. Yeah. Mm. I think it's the only place where we can learn that Logan Marshall Green's actual point is that, yeah, Scorpios are bad. There's something <laughs> wrong with them. <laughs> oh. oh, man. I did, I did like the runtime, though. Like it oh, just, I, I love the runtime. Yeah, it went very, very quickly, very quickly. Yeah. I took it for granted. Like I just kept not watching this movie because I was like, I'm at, what, you know, I got 75 minutes at some point, right? <laughs> just, just get that in whenever. Oh and it almost didn't happen. Oh my! 
Um, I will say though, I, I guess I haven't said I, I, I still like this movie a lot. Um, and uh, the the last note I have is that the cops who come to his house after he dials nine one one. What are these like the worst cops in the world? <laughs> like they literally do zero investigatory work. Like they they have no they have no problem with this creepy weirdo who's staring at the ground, won't make eye contact with him. A baby is crying her eyes out in the back, and they're just like, "Hey, yeah. give her a tummy rub." <laughs> Like it's yeah, she's got colic, rubber tummy. <laughs> they never ask why. Like he's like, like we got a nine one one call. Is there an emergency? He's like, no. And then they never ask what, well, <laughs> why the fuck did you call nine one one? Then what is going on? Yeah. Oh, it's a uh, yeah. I yeah. I did like that. Um, he can't handle receiving like the parental advice. Mm-hmm. Um. And of course, oh, yeah. people people give the... unsolicited mm. parental advice all the, all time. the time. And, yeah. and this oh, is like yeah. a parent that actually, sorry, it's not a parent, um, but this is someone who like desperately needs these these things. Like, you know, when the woman starts talking about formula, it's like he should have been like, oh, tell me more about the formula, so I can stop <laughs> giving this t- tiny newborn just like store milk. It's not and I assume that the creamer stopped after the, the store. I hope. God. He was definitely yeah. uh well he also it was weird because like that was obviously played for comedy also, and then he left the store without buying the formula, but then when he goes to the beach he's shaking her bottle as if it's formula. Yeah. So I don't know what's going on. Because <laughs> I would hope he's not giving the, the baby, you know. Uh, two percent, but I don't know. <laughs> you know, he gave her coffee creamer. That can't be good for her either. But mm. shelf stable coffee creamer. I don't know. You know, it's probably not good Ugh. for an adult, much mm. less a, a baby. Anyway, yeah. I thought the baby acting was really good. Like mm. the baby, like the baby, shut up and went to bed right when I needed to. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they, I'm sure they, sure they, they got it first it. take. Well, they caught it in in like the, it was crying, and then it was just like it, you know, just like laid back. Yeah. And mm. That was good. Not that it's you know, it's not trying to do that, but it's just interesting that they were able to capture that. Yeah. <laughs> Logan Marshall Green has not directed another movie, so I'm assuming this thing just bombed bad, and uh, mm. nobody cares. It wasn't rated either. That's another weird thing. Unrated. Mm-hmm. No. Um. Yeah. I guess I didn't do like any sort of. Uh, I didn't either. I haven't looked at trivia or anything. I wonder mm-hmm. if. Um, There's no trivia. Oh shit. Just that it's Logan Marshall Green's directorial debut. But you know. Oh wow. <laughs> South by Southwest, and then released in November that same year. Um. I'm guessing that it was in very very few theaters. I have not heard of the distributor. Had you had you guys heard of this film when it came out? Besides yeah, sure. talking about it on the show? I remember I'm the sure, trailer. I'm sure we must have talked about the trailer, yeah. Okay. Yeah, because I remember just really wanting to see it and then I, you know, made myself see it. But um yeah. for some reason I thought Ethan Hawke like wrote and directed it, but then I was wrong, so it says it's sparsely sketched, but Ethan Hawke's performance is enough to fill the blanks. Fill in the blanks. Um, that's um, the critical consensus on Metacritic. Anyway, okay, well, that's all I got. What are you guys uh, giving it out of five stars? 
All right, I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go with three. Enjoy I'm going three. And, oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm three and a half. Like for for all its flaws, like I I did like how easily it moved along, and I thought like you know even though I have questions about his performance, Ethan Hawke was still really strong in this. Well, I it went down slightly for me, but I still like it a lot. It's a four. Um, ah. Yeah, I had problems with it that I did not have the first time. One of the, the main, the, the major one was the woman and the score. I hate the score. Oh yeah, I, I forgot to mention like uh, the Jason Isbell score was very like mid two thousands back when indie movies were all trying to like have scores that sounded like explosions in the sky, like yes. post rock stuff. Yes. Yeah, yes. I was like, I just, I kind of thought we were done with that. Like I thought yes. it had been sort of played out. Uh, it's a genre of music I like, but it's sometimes annoying. I will say I listened to um, Explosions in the Sky's first record recently, again, for the first time in probably 15 years. And uh doesn't hold up. It's not good. It's terrible. It's Ouch. Not... Sorry, JR. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I, I don't remember <laughs> last time I heard it. Um, <laughs> when I've had the chance to see them live, I've really enjoyed it. Oh, I'm the, sure um, why they rock. I would see. I would see. And that. I don't know. They they put an album out uh, yesterday. We're recording oh. on Saturday. They put out an album Friday. I've not heard it yet. What is which album is their first one? How strange innocence. Uh, I guess the one with the dark cover. Oh, Those who tell the truth shall die. That's their second Those one. The, okay, whatever. That's the first one I remember listening to. I thought it was their first one, but um, it's the one with the the thin red line uh yeah. segment. And uh, it's just, yeah, I don't know. It's just not, it does nothing for me. I was listening to it. I was like, this is not good. But, I mean, you know, <laughs> All right, I'm whatever. Gonna give, uh, I'm going to give Happy Pass Through this night a, uh, a listen. Uh, today. Yeah, maybe, maybe I will, too. Maybe I'll log it on Album of the Year, which is the letterbox of albums. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> I, I do all my, uh, I'm on, like, rateyourmusic.com. Rate yeah. <laughs> Which, uh, all right. yeah, I don't love it either. All right, I'm gonna check out uh, album of the year. You should check it out. It's really, it's got a nice interface. It looks good. Mm. It, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't like writing your music. I used to use that a lot too, but I don't know. Uh, one of my students turned me on to album of the year last year, and I've been using it ever since, and enjoying it. Um, so, anyways, now that we're done with our deep dive, I guess we need to do our roulette except that this movie has no one in it (laughs) so what do we i guess we'll just Just, do it anyway ethan yeah well let's just use ethan that's a good idea sure um okay well oh this is this is gonna be high numbers i feel like boys oh i'm I'm losing (laughs) are you 13 oh jesus kevin good god i know right (laughs) All right, Jr. Thirty-six. What have you been, have you been doing, Kevin? <laughs> I'm at thirty-six, Jr. What do you got? I'm sorry, I'm, I had stupidly left the page. I, uh, I am. Wait, what was your number? Thirty-six. No fucking shit. Uh, I'm at thirty-five. Yes. <laughs> I win. I haven't seen any of those fucking horror movies. I saw the purge and I saw the black phone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yes. 
All right. That is that is so good. That is so good. Okay, let's find out what we're uh, what we're watching. Now, I have none of this set up because I totally forgot we were doing this first thing. <laughs> I got it. I got it right here. Um, okay, the number is. You guys ready? Mm-hmm. One. It's 1999. 1999. So it's what page 20. Is that well, how it, it turns works? out to be yep. a Prince movie? I'm gonna freak out. No, it's worse. Oh no! Is it really? Yeah. Oh, it's Waltz with Bashir. You guys don't want to watch that. You didn't, didn't Kevin already, just I'm, watch this? Yeah, like a few months ago. So thank God. All right, you watch it in November. I, I mean, it's almost a year ago, but yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll skip it. You guys can skip this. <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay, let's do it again. Let's go again. Okay. Here we go. Rando. Twenty-one seventeen. Okay, it's. Notre Music. Ooh, have you, uh, Jay, uh, Kevin? Have you seen Notre Music? It's a John Luke Guitar I, film. I have not. <laughs> it's. I like it a lot. I don't think. It's, I think Kevin will hate it, but I like it a lot. It's, it is not going to make Kevin like Jean Luc Godard. <laughs> I like, but it, it a lot. is eighty minutes. But uh, yeah. All right. It's very short. <laughs> yes. Yes. I. I will. I will watch this, and I will watch uh, Delete Flagrant. It's, you know, at some point, like I actually started it last night, but like the way it was moving, I just couldn't, uh, <laughs> I was, I was too, I was too tired. I couldn't make it. Well, I think, um, maybe the way we ought to do this is that, okay. So, so you guys are going to be watching Notre Music for next time. And, uh, since we just did the homework, I'll, I'll talk about the homework and then we can mm. get into what we watched. I watched Delice Flagrant. Directed by Ramon Depardon, who uh, I had only seen uh, to each his own cinema before. His clip of that, which I don't even remember what his segment of that is like. But this is a documentary about French criminals being, not criminals, I guess. People who are who have done something wrong and been arrested. Um, like, they're not career criminals. Some of them are, I guess. But uh, they get interviewed by the, like, assistant district attorney um prior to seeing their lawyer and then seeing the judge and it's so it's just like uh sort of like this locked off camera um well a lot of it is just this locked off camera showing this these interviews happen and uh the first like seven of them are this woman uh woman district attorney or assistant district attorney and it's interesting because they're questioning these people about their crime. They're trying to get them to, like, say what happened, and then they write it down for them. Like, okay, so I'm going to write down this. Is this agreeable to you? And then they're like, yeah. And like, okay, sign here. And then they get them out. But it's always, like, this weird – it feels very, like, un-American. I mean, it's French, so it's like – but it's like as an American watching it, you're like – they're like this does not feel like a police situation at all like they're so like um they're all about cutting out recidivism like they're 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 constantly saying like okay we the, our goal is that you don't do this again like the thing you did you got drunk and you got into a fight we don't want that to happen again so how long have you been drinking you obviously have a problem let's get you into a rehab program let's get it fixed you know or it's like, you know, you stole something. Why did you steal? Uh, are you out of work? Let's find a job for you. Let's get your situation straight so that you don't, you know, have to do these kinds of things, you know. And it's just like so 
I don't know, like for the betterment of society, like they're trying to fix the root of the issue and they're not about, you know, necessarily just like punishing the people for what they did. And, you know, that'll teach them sort of thing, which seems to be the American way. But then there's also things that are like, like rights that are being infringed upon. Um, so like one guy is arrested for cursing at a police officer, which is like not something as far as I know that is illegal at all here. <laughs> I, I've watched a lot of videos where guys are uh, cursing at police officers specifically to show that it's not, that it's, you know, legal to do. And, um, and this, he doesn't even say anything that bad. He says, he says like, he calls him a son of a bitch and says he's going to kill him. And I'm like, and they're like, it's illegal to insult a law officer in Paris. And I'm like, but that's, not, but not threaten him. Yeah, they didn't say threaten. They just said it. They used the word insult. I mean, these are also the subs. I had to go to. I had to. I downloaded this movie and then I had to go searching for the subs to a, a few different sites before I found a, a, a usable set. So who knows how accurate they are? But they use the word insult. Um, and uh, and then there's also the scene where this person calls in. Uh, this other attorney calls in to report that this woman wants to make a, like a, an accusation of sexual harassment at her job. And the lady's like, okay, well, you know that in our, in our law, sexual harassment only happens if there's quid pro quo. (laughs) So it's like, you can only call it sexual harassment. If the harasser is saying you must, I'm going to give you a promotion if you suck my dick or whatever, you know, or, if you don't suck my dick, you're not going to get that promotion. Something like that, right? So it's not just like he can't – like, you know how here it would be like uh, your boss, like a female's boss comes and rubs her shoulders. That's not okay. Like that's inappropriate. That's sexual harassment. But there it's like that's totally acceptable in 1993 at least when this movie was being shot. <laughs> so like it just seems like totally insane. Uh, yeah, some of the stuff that goes down. But yeah, I, I – um. That being said, I think this is like a um, like one of the one of the best documentaries I've ever seen in my life, actually. And uh, I had a had a blast with it, and I think it's uh, a masterpiece. And I look forward to watching other things that this guy has directed because I really enjoyed this movie, and I gave it five stars. I was wondering really about that. Okay. Was... Huh? You oh, no, I just said that that review really turned around from where I, I, I couldn't tell where it was going, but okay. Oh, that's awesome. I just, I mean the, the, every, every person in this movie is a total character also. Like the, the conversations that they're having are, they're incredible, like super steeped in procedure, but they're also like incredibly compelling and emotional and just totally watchable. Like you're never, I, I don't, I mean, I could see Kevin last night. He's tired. If you're watching this movie on a full night's rest, it's totally interesting. And I mean, it really held my attention for the whole thing. Like, I was worried going into it because I was like, oh man, it's going to be like an hour and 45 minutes of like these people talking to each other over a table. But I mean, it's fucking great. I mean, like you'd be hard pressed to write dialogue that's as compelling as some of the conversations that are happening in this movie. Mm. It's a really wonderful, wonderful film. Nice. That's tight. So check it out. Delice Fragrance. Fragrance. I don't, I don't even know what that means, honestly. It, like, apparently it means caught in the act. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. yeah like, because uh, I kept thinking of um that one episode of Frasier where he says, would you, would you rather I said I was in flagranto delito or something like that? And he mm. means like, he means like I was uh, like 
in the middle of having sex with a woman. Mm. And I was like, sounds similar to what this is, but anyways. Um, so yeah, caught in the act makes sense. So anyways, that was the homework. Um, you know, hey, Jared, you, you put this on your watch list. I can, I can uh, send it to you, man. I didn't know you wanted to see this. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, email it's it like one of the few like homework movies we get that I, I haven't seen. It sounded, right. sounded interesting. And apparently oh, it's we'll interesting. <laughs> well, you know, I've already seen all the good movies. Who wants to begin with uh, what we watched? I'll, uh, I'll give it a go. Do I'll, it. Uh, I'll start up. Um, I spent uh, much of the past you know, two weeks uh catching up with my criterion challenge a thing that i did this year and then ignored for eight months um <laughs> and i was just like you know what i i, I realized like one reason that i was watching so much tv was i was like you know, just putting on my streaming services like going through and like looking for new releases and just like nothing was sounding interesting to me so i was just like guess i'm watching another episode of foundation which you know what I finished that second season and it's good. It's good. Really? I'm no longer watching that with guilt because I just think it's good now. Um, I'm go watch that shit. All right. <laughs> you, you, probably, you probably don't, but and it, it takes, it took a while for me to, to decide that it's good. The first season is not as good as the second. Um, anyway. Uh, so like, I was like, you know what? I haven't like watched any criteria movies in a while. Like, let's just go watch something old. And so uh, I was doing that and um, I've seen a few good things. And one of those is actually a more recent film uh, from Mia hands in love called uh, Bergman Island, which, uh, which is also the title of a, a documentary about Ingmar Bergman and um, about his, him and his home on uh, the Faro islands, which mm. I assumed was Swedish, but it's actually like a, a Danish territory and it's like a few hundred miles north of scotland it's like it's i don't know it's just not where i thought that was um anyway so uh bergman island is about two uh filmmakers there are a couple tim roth and vicky cripps creeps 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 she's a creep okay um (laughs) <laughs> they go to they go to the to the island uh, to, and they stay in the Bergman house, um, looking for you know both solitude and inspiration. They're both like uh, working on the scripts for what will be their their next features. And um, you know Tim Roth, uh, they both kind of explore the island both together and and separate. And they uh, like we see Tim Roth take this like. It's called the Bergman Safari. Like they're on bus, like talking about the Bergman shit. And I was like, it's the Peter like, Min reality bus tour. Yeah. And, like, <laughs> I was like, oh, the, the Bergman stuff. This will be like catnip for me. Because, um, man, they talk about Bergman a lot. And it turns out I, I don't think that's very interesting at all. Uh, just talking about Bergman. Because, uh, like, the, the way that they talk about him is like, oh, this is where they filmed scenes from marriage. I was like, okay. That's like cool. Um, well, if you were there, it might be interesting. Yeah, I no, I would, I would do this trip. I would, I would do the Bourbon Safari for sure. I didn't know. Is that a real thing? Like you can go stay in his house? I don't know. How expensive is that got to be? Jesus. Probably yeah. expensive. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. These people didn't didn't seem like they were hurting for money. So yeah, that's right. probably. Um, 
yeah they are successful filmmakers like there are people who are like constantly talking to tim roth like about his work and like they like people are like clearly impressed with tim roth um not as much for uh, for vicky anyway uh the movie itself does not look sound or feel like a bourbon movie which i thought that was interesting uh they're talking about him a lot but otherwise this is not does not feel like a bourbon movie um and this is something that was mentioned by one of my letterboxed friends, uh, you know, I don't know, Monsieur, Monsieur Arcaden, 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 I don't know how mm. I want to say his name. Um, in their review, uh, but he mentioned that like it just feels like uh, a Hong Sang-so movie, which is a, a Korean filmmaker I've seen a lot of movies from. Um, that filmmaker uh, usually has uh, leads who are filmmakers. And uh, that filmmaker usually meets people and talks to them about whatever crisis he's dealing with at the moment. And um, he's often in a coastal town or on an island. And uh, a few of his best movies, like uh, Right Now, Wrong Then, um, have weird structures where reality gets bent in some subtle way. And uh, and Bergman Island has that. And the movie gets good when... uh, Vicky Creeps starts uh, talking about uh, her idea for her movie that she's writing, in which we go to like a, a movie inside of a movie starring uh, Mia Wasikowska. God, I can't remember how to say her name. And uh, annual Anders Danielson Lee as like uh, a sort of couple who are traveling for a wedding. And of course, uh, this movie inside of a movie uh, kind of just mirrors the journey that Vicky Creeps has kind of been on. Uh, in the present and uh i don't know but it's it's good it and those people it, the people in the movie instead of movie are also talking about bergman a lot um anyway um when we get back to the present things start like bleeding together um you know things from the fiction start appearing in the reality it's uh i don't know i had mixed feelings about all of this movie i rated it a four out of five i've i have been confused by what i thought was that good about the movie except uh i thought it had a really strong powerful ending which is probably why i gave it that four because i i just don't know there's just so many like again so much of the dialogue is just talking about fucking bergman and it's not cool it's just <laughs> not cool but i don't know me and the love I, I think i like her we watched uh, a movie of hers a couple months ago um one fine morning yeah thank you I liked One Fine Morning a lot, and I liked it okay. Yeah. And uh, and she has she has other movies that I like more. Leia right. Seydoux does a lot of the heavy lifting for me. I mean, like I just <laughs> I just like her so much. I like her performance. I like you know she's obviously like extremely beautiful and uh, just charming and likable. I just like her a lot. So get her and Chalamet in a movie that's five stars her and Robert Pattinson fuck Chalamet (laughs) I gotta get our pats in there bud (laughs) how do you used to be so high on Chalamet I love Chalamet I just uh right Robert Pattinson isn't playing Wonka is he so (laughs) that's true that's true (laughs) just kidding Timmy (laughs) all right uh Kevin you want to go next yeah sure so so I watched, I rewatched um, 
animated movie that I hadn't seen in a long time, The Flight of Dragons. And watching it again after not having seen it for goodness knows how long, um, it was interesting to see a different uh, Rankin-Bass animated movie with, you know, like some kind of folky um, soundtrack stuff. You know, because like it's a it's a nice little even thing. Where this one this one gets weird for me though. Like, there's a lot of stuff that's in the movie that like like it's kind of like a mish a mixed bag of like all these things that they think should should be elements of fantasy. Like there's you know knights and elves and dragons obviously uh, and wizards. But like I I've come to really not like the trope of, you know, magic is disappearing from the world. It's like <laughs> it, it like it seems it seems like every, you know, every one of these things like magic's disappearing and, you know, man is, you know, coming into his own and science and all this kind of stuff. And it really and it really comes to a head at the end of this movie where like so like uh, this dude is like facing down the red wizard Omadon who's voiced by James Earl Jones. Hey. And yeah, and you know, great stuff there. But then this dude, you know, but then you've got the hero voiced by John Ritter saying, you know, like literally yelling at him, you know archaeology botany biology and it's killing the red wizard mm. so this was like oh no no this is this is real this is i don't like using the word cringy because i think it's overused these days and a lot of people just use it as a blanket statement for anything that they don't like um, but yeah, I was actually cringing in in these scenes, and it was also interesting too. Like this is this is a movie that's definitely made for kids, but there's a lot of like there's a lot of death. Really? Like, yeah. Like at one like at one point, like all of the main characters are um, are dead, and like and like there's. And there's even one scene where, like, uh, like this troll, like, uh, ransacks the inn that they're staying at and, like, kidnaps some people. And, like, <gasps> the innkeeper murdered. It's like, so we're addressing murder? In a- yeah. Yeah. Using, using the word murder? <laughs> yeah, they, they use, like, yeah, that's the exact line. The innkeeper murdered. Yikes. Yeah, like. Yeah, obviously, you know, there's there's death in a lot of these kids, you know, movies and shows, but it's like, yeah, murder itself is a different sort of concept, you know. I suspect when uh, kids were kids were tough, kids were hard back then. Yeah, know? yeah, Damn, late seventies. Yeah, they were hard. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. So um. Yeah. So I gave this movie a three. Um. I'd say it's worth watching. Just you know, if you're into this sort of thing. But I don't think it's something that I'm gonna be. It's not something I'm gonna be revisiting anytime soon. 
because, I don't know, I feel like there's better examples of, you know, kids' fantasy stuff that's out there. Um, yeah. All right. Um, I watched uh, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. This is the sequel to Into the Spider-Verse. Uh, the second in the most confusingly named <laughs> franchise of all time. Just kidding. Um, so I don't even, you know, it's just like they all have, they're all the same exact phrase with one word changed. Anyway, uh, yeah, this uh, stars all the same people, I guess. Uh, but Oscar Isaac does one of the voices. And uh, this, you know, I saw the first one of these films. Um, I showed it to my students when I was teaching middle school one year uh, just to, like, kill time at the end of the year. You know, you always have, like, two or three days where you're doing nothing, babysitting. And so I, we watched this movie, and I didn't give it a rating, but I remember thinking it was, like, way better than I thought it was going to be. And uh, I really enjoyed Jake Johnson as the older Peter Parker, like the sort of conventional Peter Parker. Um and uh this one yeah this one just doesn't work for me i don't know it's uh i found it to be assaultive uh on like the senses like it's super it's just constantly moving (laughs) there's like every color of the rainbow on the screen and every shot and it's just too much information at once uh maybe i'm an old man now and i can't handle it it feels like something you know you, you show it to a kid i'm sure any kid would love this um but uh yeah i don't know the there's a uh also it has an annoying sort of thing that it's doing that a lot of action movies are doing now especially superhero movies where every fight scene features non-stop dialogue during the fight scene the every every character is talking to every other character and they're ex and they're, it's all exposition it's all explaining what's going on why they're fighting what's going to happen next and it just feels extremely like lazy it feels like this cop out of like this is a smart way to write exposition because nobody wants to just hear it like you know miles morales goes up to this guy and talks to him we'll have him talk while they're fighting and it's just like that doesn't make it interesting it just it's just like it's lame and it makes zero sense obviously because you know they're flying around at like light speed and uh exerting themselves and throwing rocks the boulders at each other and shit and yet they're you know talking in their inside voice and hearing each other and uh not breathing hard at all and i don't know it's just it's just the whole thing uh really bothers me a ton uh so and i once i realized it was happening in the opening and the 20 minute cold open that this movie has, I, uh, I, you know, I couldn't stop thinking about it throughout the rest of the film. And, uh, like all the meta stuff is, I can see it being like, you know, interesting to some, I, I didn't love it. Um, yeah. And it's just like visual flourish after visual flourish. And, uh, I'm not somebody who found any of this like funny or charming, um, the dialogue and so forth. the, Seth Rogen style, <laughs> like awkward. Everybody's awkward. Everybody's, you know. Oh, oh. Well, I didn't. Uh, oh, oh, oh. That's the kind. Of, it's just like it's just everybody's like super timid around everybody else when they're talking. 
it's just, I don't know. It's just, uh, the writing is just really not my thing. Just not my kind of thing. Not my kind of movie. But you know what? Not uh, terribly made. Very well made. Very well, you know, I don't know what they're, I don't know if they're drawing this stuff in a computer. I don't know how they're making this movie. Um, I don't love every, like, I don't love parts of the way it looks. Like, the, for instance, like, the lines on the faces, like, I don't get at all. I mean, I get, I understand, like, I guess they're trying to make it look like it's a drawing, but they're, like, obviously 3D models, right? And then they're, like, putting lines, like, drawn lines on their faces. It just looks like they have drawings on their faces. I don't know. It doesn't make sense. Mm. But, uh, you know, it's obviously well made. It's, I'm sure it was insanely expensive to make, so it makes yeah. sense. And uh, yeah. Greta, Greta Lee is in this movie, uh, does a voice. And she is mm-hmm. in uh, Past Lives, which I also watched and we'll talk about in a few minutes. But, um, yeah. Kevin, you watched part of this, right? Yes. Uh, I got to the point where, um, like, Miles goes back to what he thinks is his Earth, and then he then it turns out oh. to not to not be. Um, That's late in the yeah. film. You, you watched most of it, then. Yeah, we yeah we got through pretty much the entire thing, which like I'm I'm sure you felt this way too because I for sure felt this way. Like this one and uh, Into the Spider Verse, both of them are just insanely unnecessarily long. Yes, I yes. mean I I I I for sure enjoyed the movie more 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 than you did, um, but I I at the same time I agree with pretty much everything you said i'll probably like it i uh you know i i thought the seth rogan style because seth rogan wrote it uh comedy and teenage mutant Ninja Turtles worked the awkward it's like that exact same awkward stuff yeah i can't uh, handle that I, I, that's, I why I haven't, fun. Well, that's why i haven't watched the ninja trolls movie because i'm afraid that i'm just gonna like want to dump all over it and kevin thinks it's a masterpiece and i'm afraid to insult him (laughs) no you're not i I don't think it's a masterpiece i'm not otherwise going to talk about it but i like i thought it was like trying to be like Uh. like a fun little startup for this you know a new version of this franchise and i thought it worked that's your prerogative buddy you're allowed to think that i know i I mean Having having seen both of them, I would disagree that uh, the dialogue in them is similar. Like, I I don't know. I feel like the the awkwardness of dialogue might be like I feel like that might be something that people want to attribute to Seth Rogen. The way you know, like um, you know, like a bunch of movies, you know, snap off these you know half-assed philosophical dialogues and they say oh that's quentin tarantino like dialogue and then you watch a tarantino movie it's like no it's not right so uh, i mean that's just you know that's a good example which movie is better dialogue kevin out of those Ninja two? turtles all right yikes yeah i mean sure cool. like i don't i don't know like i think part of it is like uh having having now watched uh the bear and um Ayo Itabiri, who plays um, a character in The Bear, whose name I can't remember. Sam, uh, she I also. Think. Yeah. Sam? Sam? Fuck. The 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 um, the sous chef, the black girl. Yes. 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 Yeah, so she plays April O'Neil in uh, the Ninja Turtles movie, 
and her her dot her her delivery in uh the bear and ninja turtles is pretty much the same that's because she so, doesn't have delivery. that's her she does not an actress she's just she plays one character and it's the awkward she, she's nerdy, like, i'm a cool i'm cool but i'm nerdy uh <laughs> i can't stand she's her. uh she's on letterboxd she's the worst dude I forget what movie I I was like looking at and, like the most popular reviews from her. So what the fuck's happening? Oh. <laughs> like no, no, no. <laughs> no, I mean she's in Bottoms, obviously, and she was in uh, Theater Camp. I hate that was... I have to see Bottoms, and I'm really mad. I, I want to see it. I what? don't because she's in it, and I hate that I have to see it. It's from. Um, I know. I want to see it because person of made who... a good movie. Seligman. I know. I like her. I don't, and I like the other lady who's in it. I don't. Oh, I'm really depressed that, she, that this girl's gonna ruin it, dude. I'm gonna theater camp is on uh, Hulu now. I'm gonna I'm gonna check that out. Uh, I put it in my watch list, but I don't know if I'm gonna be able to do it. It's and you didn't me. even so like the uh, the the uh, actor who wrote and directed and stars in uh, theater camp is also in the bear. Oh really? Uh, oh. <laughs> oh my god! So sad, yeah, bear, dude. Seven fishes. Who? Oh, <laughs> sorry. Who's the woman? Who's the person you're talking about? The uh, person who directed Theater Camp. Is it a um, woman or a man? It, it is a woman, and I don't know her name. I'm not looking at uh, Theater Camp right now. Yeah, I watched the trailer for Theater Camp yesterday, and I was like, oh, oh my god. I was. I put it in my watch list just to. I was like, maybe I'll watch this just to, you know, try to be competitive with Jerry, even though you're probably 15 movies ahead of me now. But I doubt it. I've been watching t- things from like 1950 and stuff. Uh, I'm pretty sure. I I think I would guess you're a minimum of 11 movies ahead on 2023 right now. How? All right. I mean, cows. I, what's the count? I watched literally nothing for like the last month. Um, let's see. Mine, uh, 68. Yeah, that's that was ex- this. Yeah, I'm 13 ahead of you. Bingo. What I say. <laughs> I think you said 10 to 15. So I yeah. think uh, you're right there. 15, yeah. And then I said 11. So You're right. You're right. I am right. Mm. Uh, I don't know. I thought theater camp looked silly. Um, yeah, Molly Gordon is, uh, is her name. Yeah. I don't She, she's on the bear. I don't know. She doesn't look familiar at all. She's only in the, in the second season. Oh, okay. uh, and oh. you, you said you didn't make it past the first episode of the second season. No, so you couldn't do it, dude. Couldn't do it. Abandoned yeah. ship. It's, yeah. I can't, I cannot watch. Ao Edibiri anymore. I can't handle her. I can't handle the written nature of that show. It's so fucking written. It makes me want to puke. This guy, <laughs> this guy is like jacking off over adopt a highway, and how clean and tidy and overwritten that is. But there's nothing. That, you there's know, some what? people yelling in, oh uh, in the fair, and he's like, Ugh. Uh, restaurants. <laughs> I, I mean, <laughs> come on. You could, you know what? The thing is, you could make a good. It's a great idea to make a show in a restaurant or make a movie in a restaurant, and it's just like no one's done it. Like it, they're all shit. Like I, you know, I tried to watch Burnt, the Bradley Cooper piece of shit, and Ooh. I got about twenty minutes into it. I had to turn it off. Like it was, it was awful. Like, never, I'm not gonna defend Burnt. I've never seen that. I know. I'm just saying. Like, there's no like, what is? Where, why can't they make a good? A good restaurant movie. I don't know why they can't do it or a TV show. And I know it's it's, oh. a stup- and it's, and it's something you can't even ask anymore because everybody's gonna be like, "The bear rocks." What are you fucking talking about? <laughs> it's just like I mean, you can't <laughs> say the bear is bad because everybody loves the bear. So, so stop I, saying it. Uh, 
<laughs> have we we got to like uh we got through the first season and like there are aspects of it that I enjoy. Like I enjoy the hell out of Oliver Platt. Like every time he's on screen, I, I, I love it. Um, the, the rest of it though, like I do have to give props to the guy who plays, uh, Richie. Cause I fucking hate Richie. I yeah. hate his character. I hate, you know, he's this gaslighting piece of shit douchebag. And like, and like like the episode where where you know like uh, um what's her face accidentally stabs him after they got into an argument and it's like you know you know cousin I've been stabbed well, you probably deserved it it's like yeah he did actually uh, but yeah and and I also I I've, I've talked a lot this episode about tropes that I can't stand I cannot stand when you know the quote unquote Poor working class people have to lord that lord their suffering over, you know, people who are like rich or, you know, have their lives together or whatever. I am so tired of that. Like, Wait, are, is this a, criti- like these, a criticism of Richie? Well, yes, because he's he very much does it. I mean, other characters in the show do it, too, but. Like it's it's more pronounced with Richie and you know yeah, like I, mean, I, just, I, I would say with like, Richie that is meant to be a character flaw. He's really sure, obnoxious yeah. about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I but sorry, uh, I, it just reminded me that I that I hate that stuff. Like like don't you like don't you see the hypocrisy of you know you don't like it when rich people lord stuff over you, but you want to lord stuff over them just as bad. Like, get out of your own ass. Sorry. Uh, Where were you know, we? Did you say you didn't finish the season? Second season? We've made it to... I think we made it to, like, the second episode, and then we just started watching other stuff. Okay. I want to finish it, because I want to know what happens, but, you know... there There is a stretch of that season, and it, it might even be, like, episodes, like, four, five, and six. Like, one of the... Uh, one of the kid, like one of the employees, is sent to uh, Denmark, and that might be one of my favorite episodes of TV this year. Um, mm. but anyway, uh, and Ao Io plays uh, Sydney, not Sam. Ah, okay. Sorry, yeah, Io. Yeah. Nobody cares. All right. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I, think it's, I, think it's, I think it's my turn. And, uh, All right, do it. I'm gonna use my turn to talk more about the bear. Okay. Uh, no, I uh, I'm actually. <laughs> No, I, I I did a thing, right? So I said uh, Bergman Island reminded me of uh, that Korean filmmaker uh, Hong Sang Soo or Hong Sang So. Uh, I had previously uh, watched a 2023 release from that same filmmaker uh, called In Water. And um, what do you think the main character of this film does, guys? Were you listening? He's a filmmaker. He's a filmmaker. Uh, and uh, he's starting to see a pattern here. <laughs> he's a filmmaker who has traveled to a where? Uh, another another country? A coastal town. Coastal, coastal town. town. Oh right, coastal town. I forgot. <laughs> Sorry. 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 And, uh, and he and his actors are uh, are working uh, through some things, kind of milling about. It, it's uh, you know it's like short film budget constraints. They're like not in a hurry at all. We'll just sit here until the lights right and talk about shit for days. Um, and what's weird about this movie 
um, like truly weird is uh, that the majority of this film is shot in various uh, states of focus, as in mostly out of focus, um, which uh, is weird to get. Like it starts in focus, but then that focus goes away. And I thought I was losing my mind. Uh, and then I, every review ever written about it, of course, mentions this. Uh, so I wasn't losing my mind. And um, it, it, yeah, it's a, it's a really strange effect. And it's, you know, thematically justified, I would say. But it's it's a bizarre choice. The movie is just over an hour long. So, uh, you know, it's not like too painful. Uh, I really like this movie. I don't like all, like, I, I, I watch as many of this guy's movies as I can. Um, he is all over the place. He usually releases two movies a year. At least he has done so in the past decade or so. Um, and he's probably got, like, a 30% hit rate lately. But uh, this one I enjoyed. And I do not recommend anyone ever watch this film um unless you just know you like this director's shtick um if you know i do recommend this director's work right now wrong then on the beach at night alone uh or in another country which uh has that french actress in it isabelle Huppert. The, uh, isabelle Huppert. yeah uh recommend those if you want to check out this guy's work not Isn't it crazy one, that you said good. that that French actress and that's immediately, I guess, the right one? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, there are many, right? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, like yeah. Juliet, Juliet Binoche, I guess, would be sure. Leah if you had three French actresses, would it be? Well, we just talked about Leah Sadio. Oh, um, Kath, Catherine, um, uh, fucking uh, Belle de Jour, um. Oh, Deneuve. Deneuve, yeah. Yeah. yeah right, those are the those are the ones you would name, but you guessed the right one on the uh, yeah. on the first one. That's or uh, so anyway, yeah. Anyway, check out one of those movies if you want to watch this uh, director, or check out uh, Bergman Island, uh, which again is doing stuff that this guy often does. And again, we're pretty sure that Bergman Island is a, a pretty good movie. Sure. What's I'm sorry, real quick. What's the name of the film you were just talking about, though? In water. In water. Okay. I definitely did say that at some point. I, I know. I believe you. It was a long time ago. But mm. <laughs> I'm, I I I watched Introduction last year. I haven't seen anything else by this guy. Yeah, that's not one I would recommend either. Yeah, it's not. It wasn't good. I didn't like it. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, I'll check out. I definitely would check out like uh. Well, his most highly rated is on the beach at night alone, so maybe I'll check that one out. Yeah, his uh, the first two here on um, like if you just click his uh, director page on Letterboxd, mm-hmm. on the beach at night alone and right now rock then are probably yeah. Uh, those are two of the best five. Yeah, and look at that—it's sure. about a film director arriving in a town. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> there's a, a whole lot of that. Nice, nice. Okay. Life by accident, a film director arrives in a town a day early. Wow. All right. Okay, um, Kevin? Uh, let's see. So my wife and I watched the Enola Holmes movies. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They were de- decent little whodunits. I think they were both a little too long. 
Um, the second one, the second one bothered me because like, so most, most of it, um, Millie Bobby Brown as Enola Holmes, you know, she's very like, you know, I'm independent. I can do, you know, I can do anything that a man can do. I can, you know, this, that, and the other, but like, there's this, you know, there's this romance going on and, I don't, it just bothers me that all the way through, even to the end of the second movie, she even after you know the two of them have professed their love for each other, mm-hmm. she never calls him by his first name. All the way through, she refers to him and addresses him as Tewksbury, or you know she calls him a nincompoop. Doctor Tewksbury. <laughs> Fraser psychiatrist? <laughs> Sorry. Everything, everything comes back I to Fraser or Seinfeld. It's so easy. <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, worlds are colliding. <laughs> yeah, worlds are colliding. Excellent. Excellent. Well done. Yes. yes. All right. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um, so yeah. And, and like, uh, yeah. The, o- the only other thing I can say is like the, um, yeah, so it's weird that she never calls him by his first name, even though they're in love. And like the, I thought the the stuff gets wrapped up a little too quickly at the end for my taste, but whatever. Um, so I also started watching uh Tropic Thunder after like seeing a lot of it on like TikTok and Instagram. So like, eh, I should watch this movie again and. So far, you know, I think I'm about halfway through and so far, you know, it's funny, but it's not like the I don't know, for some reason I was expecting it to be like more like a like some kind of like hidden gym masterpiece. And, you know, it's it's fine. It's funny, but I wouldn't so far I wouldn't describe it as amazing. It's been a long time since I've seen it. I remember the last time I watched it, though, it like blew my mind how funny it was. But yeah. um, it's been a long time, so who knows yeah. now? Yeah, yeah. And right. I also, I also went through the first season of uh, True Detective, also from you know having seen clips of it on TikTok. I was like, well, I just got to watch the show now. Um, and the first season holds up very, very well. And J- Jr., you should watch it. It is really genuinely worth. He the has time. watched it. He told us he watched it. Remember? Well, he should watch it again, and <laughs> he, should, he should lock himself in a room. I and he didn't like keep, it. That's, that's well, no, he should keep, watch him lock himself in a room and keep yeah. watching it until he Stockholm syndromes himself yeah. into liking it. It's a force feed. You got to force feed it, bud. Yeah, yeah. You uh, must like it. <laughs> yeah. I'm much better That's, at that when it's like a sci-fi show. Oh, well. <laughs> yeah, well, and it's you know probably bad. <laughs> um, All right, you know maybe, I think if I go back and watch like an old HBO show, it's probably gonna be The Sopranos. Nice. One day. Do it. Do it. Do One it. Day. Understandable. I'll do Can't it. Can't wait. If you do that for real, the second you decide to do that, you gotta text me because I will rewatch it with you. But that's going to drive me crazy because you're actually going to like, you will fly through it so much faster than I will. Yeah, I will. <laughs> I was thinking about it. Jonathan just rewatched it again. And uh, I mean, he's been talking to me about it. And it's been like really making me Jones to watch it again, even though like I feel like I'm only like a year or two removed from it right now. 
and I watch it so many times, but it's so good. It's so fucking good. Oh my God. Um, okay. I, uh, I watched, uh, Indiana Jones and the dial of destiny this is the last Indiana Jones movie or the John, you watched this twice. Yes. Yes, I did. Um, I can explain that. Uh, <laughs> I watched it the first time because I wanted to see it. I had wanted to see it in the theater and just didn't make it, make a, uh, make it out in time. I'm not a huge Indiana Jones fan in general. I'm not one of these people who thinks that like these are classic films or they're not for me anyway. Um, I Raiders is like good. I think they're all sort of on the same level though. I think Raiders is better, but not by that much than the rest of them. And even like crystal skull, I don't find to be like that bad. Um, and, uh, I watched this movie, uh, when it became available and I really enjoyed it. I think it's uh, a lot of fun. I think the first 20 to 25 minutes are as good, if not better than anything in any Indiana Jones movie that's ever been, um, including Raiders. And, uh, yeah, I really, really enjoyed the movie overall. Uh, I I watched it twice because I was telling Jonathan and Rustin about it and they were like, oh, well, you know, like that sounds good. Uh, We want to see that. So I was like, I had him over to the house and we watched it Um, or to my apartment rather. Um, And that's why I watched it twice. But I enjoyed it the second time, too. I actually thought I was going to go higher on the second viewing because that opening 20 minutes, I'm telling you what, bud, it is good. It is good. The de-aging in that opening scene um, is probably the best de-aging that's ever been in a movie, but it still is problematic because you can tell it's 80-year-old Harrison Ford behind the young-looking face, and he's, like, hunched because he's an old man, and he has, like, osteoporosis or arthritis or whatever, you know, and he's all hunched over. But he's walk, but he's, you know, but he's got this young face on. So you're like, it's a little confusing. And he also, <clears throat> this is more of a crime. He has old man voice. Like he, they didn't change his voice at all. So he's got the wow. old man growl, Harrison Ford growl, but yet he's, you know, supposed to be 35 or whatever. So that's a little weird. There's a bit of a um, disconnect there. Uh but after that, when he actually becomes um, young, I mean old, rather, sorry, yeah, old, when he's just the old man in the rest of the film, he's fine. He doesn't do a ton of, like, action stuff. I mean, he's, like, running away from people a lot, and, like, he's in car chases and stuff, and he's doing things that are completely unreasonable to ask of a 80-year-old man. And it's, like, <laughs> it's kind of ridiculous because... He's, you know, he's doing these ridiculous things. He's jumping from vehicle to vehicle and he's using his whip and he's shooting people. Up. But then when anytime you see him run, like he can't run because he's so old, like his knees are obviously about to give out. Like he's just like waddle running everywhere. And it's like kind of sad, you know, because it's just like, well, he's just an old man and he can't help it. And he doesn't know how to, you know, he can't run anymore. His body's breaking down. But it's like you'd think they would have, I don't know. We get him like a stunt double to run or something. It's just like it, it just reminds me of the it reminds me of the Irishman, like in the Irishman when they do that flashback scene where he has to beat that guy up, and it's just so obvious that it's you know eighty year old De Niro trying to beat this guy up, and he's just got no energy, and he's 
really <laughs> like embarrassing looking and does not look good at all. <clears throat> uh, it's a lot like that. But other than that, I love the, um, I really like the concept of the movie, like the MacGuffin, what it is and what it represents and where it goes at the end is awesome. And, uh, I think it's well worth your time. Check out Indiana Jones. Oh, and I will say you don't miss Spielberg at all. James Mangold doing a perfect impression of Steven Spielberg's direction in this movie. <laughs> okay. so, all right. All, Calm all down. You've been, you watched this movie just so you can say that. Like that's, no, I like Spielberg. I don't, you know, I mean, I, I, I used to be, I used to be a hater of Spielberg's, but I mean, like I, I've liked his last, his last film anyway. I liked, I like some of his films. He, it's just that like, it's obvious. Like when you watch uh, movies like this, that he does, are not the same as the Fablemans, right? Or not the same as even like, uh, even like catch me if you can or something like <clears throat> when he's doing pure action, I'd say it's pretty easy to ape what he's doing. He's having original ideas and they're interesting and they're cool the way he executes them. And, uh, but it's like, you get the right writer in there who creates the idea. And it's, I, I'd say, I, I can't imagine it's that difficult for a director to just sort of like do the same thing, like have the same idea, like have the same camera movements and things. I mean, you could study his movies and recreate that effect pretty easily. And I think the evidence of that is this movie. I mean, you watch this movie, it looks, I mean, if you didn't know it, well, you could put Steven Spielberg's name on this and you wouldn't know any different. So, except for that, it doesn't look like shit. It looks nice. You know, it doesn't have that god awful Janusz Kaminski haze to everything <laughs> cool i uh i will watch this when it finally hits disney plus perfect which uh it is i i don't think it has done but hopefully soon europe jr <laughs> oh it's me sorry yeah bud <laughs> all right uh, yeah last last one for me um is another 2023 release. Cannot find the right fucking tab. Sorry. Um, anyway. Uh, yeah, so I watched uh, Full River Red, which is uh, the latest movie from um, Zhang Yimou, or I believe that's how you say his name. The, the guy who directed Hero and House of uh, Flying Daggers and, and things like that, uh, who is still just... just cranking them out, you know, once every year or so, they don't all make it to America, but uh, the last one I saw, it was called Shadow, which was great, and this is uh, kind of similar to Shadow in that it takes place um, in a sort of, like, hyper-realized version of uh, medieval China, and uh, involves political intrigue and a little bit of action, and uh, the first 90 minutes of this movie are, like, my favorite movie of the entire year, Um Unfortunately, there are 45 minutes after that. Um, Yikes. Which, Dang. yeah, they're not bad, but I'll, I'll get to them. Um, so this is about a uh, like this foreign diplomat uh, is assassinated or killed. Yeah, assassinated. And um, like the head of the palace guard is basically going to the guards who are on duty and is just going to like execute them all. And in an attempt to save his life, one of those guys uh, decides to basically just make up a conspiracy plot about the secret letter. And uh, that plot is taken to like all the way uh, to the top of the chain of not command, but like whatever uh, dignitary lives in this palace 
you know, it gets involved as well. Uh, and this leads to everyone like looking for this letter and looking for information about this letter um, that is just totally bogus. And for a while, it's hard to tell if there is uh, if there actually might be something to this whole letter thing, or if everyone involved is like manifesting, um, like basically manifesting that this letter exists uh, because they just need it to be real, right? Like this letter is going to prove innocence and, and things. So uh, I don't know. It's it's intriguing. It's clever and. Um, for at least most of its runtime, this also plays out as like a dark comedy, which uh, which I thought was great. Um, unfortunately, the final 45 minutes get uh, way too serious, which is a bummer. And uh, it's not it's not like predictable or anything where this goes, but uh, the direction it goes is definitely just like was not my favorite option uh, with what they decided to do. Um, it also ends with with what is pretty obviously like a very Rah rah, good job, Chinese government. Bit of propaganda stuff. Um, that message is uh, that message is basically corrupt government officials are bad. So like that's a fine message, but um, I'm guessing that China's government is not uh, corruption free, just because I'm pretty sure no government is. Um, anyway, it's 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 just kind of a weird ending, and it just doesn't seem like it's gonna go there. Uh, but I know a lot of uh, mainland China movies do have um, some sort of political uh, stuff going on. Anyway, the mm. movie looks uh, and sounds fucking cool. And uh, this director, whose work I have loved in the past, uh, he's definitely settled on like a very sort of like somber color palette. Like shadow was like so gray, and this uh, is more of that. I, I kind of miss the colors of. Of Hero and House of Flying Daggers, um, but uh, but he whips the camera around uh, to to extremely cool effects. Anyway, recommend. It's too long. I'm out. It is too long. <laughs> I said that. Yeah, I mean, it's just like it's an hour, hour and two hours and uh, thirty thirty seven minutes. Jesus fucking Christ, dude. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, Shit, then <laughs> it's there's a whole hour after the the part I said was great. Yeah, mm-hmm. dude. Kevin? Oh, I'm done. Okay, I watched Past Lives, directed by Celine Song. Uh, yeah, who has done nothing except this, I guess. Um, <clears throat> this is the movie that JR was raving about. He loves this movie. Everybody Gosh. loves this movie who's seen it, um, I think, pretty much. And uh, except Frank on Film except Junk. He, yeah, he didn't like it. Uh, <laughs> But uh, you know, I, you know, I like a lot of things about this movie. Um, I like that it's a straightforward sort of weird to call it romantic, but a drama, I guess, just like a straight drama. I was thinking about this the other day, like how how few just like normal straightforward dramas there are. Like everything has it's like tinged with genre now, or it's a TV show or some shit, and it's just like. It's nice to see just a movie about characters interacting with one another and having to face a a situation and dealing with the situation and I really like the way that that situation is written. Uh I love the structure, how it's like this uh this 
this woman played by Greta Lee, whose name is Nora. I guess that's like her American name. Uh, she was, you know, not even like dating, just like, you know, friends, friendly with Hei Sung, a childhood chum of hers, which like, you know, would have probably developed into some sort of relationship at some point, but they were like, you know, kids. Uh, and then I like the idea that they reconnect later on and talk and it almost becomes a relationship, but then it like falls apart. I like that there are three sections to it sort of, you know, I thought that was a cool way to handle it. And cause I was really worried going into it that it was just going to be like, we were friends when we were kids and now we're seeing each other as adults. And I'm like, well, what difference does that make? You know, like if I ran into somebody I knew when I was living in Atlanta, when I was nine, it means it means nothing, you know. It's like we're not the same person at all, you know. I have no idea who that person is now. Um, and I love the John Magaro uh, character, her husband, her American husband, who his reaction to the whole situation is just so real. It's like, and uh, if Hollywood had made this movie, this was like a big, you know, like a star vehicle. John Magara's character, there'd have to be a scene of him getting like jealous and raging out or, you know, crying or something. It's just none of that shit happens. He's just like, you get the impression that he's not, he's not happy about what's going on, but he's also like the, he's completely understanding of the situation. He's smart enough to know that like, this is something that, you know, my wife has to explore and she needs to be able to talk to this guy. And, He's uh, he does feel threatened, obviously, but it's not an he doesn't uh, show that in any sort of a demonstrative way. Uh, it's just a very like beautiful, subtle performance from Magaro. And uh, the two leads are also quite good. Um, Greta Lee and T.O.U. These are uh, great performances also. And I, yeah, I enjoyed the movie um, for the most part. I guess my only issues, I guess, are like maybe. I don't know. Maybe it feels a little thin. Like it could have been uh, explored more somehow. But then I feel like if by saying that, I'm like asking for it to become more of a Hollywood movie. So I, maybe that's wrong. But um, I don't know. Didn't necessarily knock my socks off. But I, I appreciate it as a sort of innocuous, um, straightforward relationship drama. And. Uh, very well made, very well shot, and I like some of the directing. I like the super long, like telephoto lens shots. Uh, those are beautiful to me. So yeah, it's good. Past lives is good. Not as good as the Flash, but it's good. <laughs> <laughs> that's just for Jake. That's a, that's a troll. I'm really glad that you can't see my face anymore. <laughs> I don't know. The face the face we can see does not look happy, so I think it's, it's you know pretty, um, you know indicative of your feelings. It's number seventeen <laughs> on my list of the year, Jr. It's just behind Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. There's no fucking way. Yeah. What you gave the Indiana Jones a three and a half. You gave I, passing, yes, that is correct. My, four. I my ranked list is not dependent. on all the way on star ratings. Oh boy! I think okay. I, I think about. I don't want to get I all think, like Frank. I think about what I would want to watch again, and I would definitely rewatch for a third time Indiana Jones before I would put Past Lives on again. I can appreciate that Past Lives is a 
good movie. But Indiana Jones is a more enjoyable watch and, uh, you know, therefore higher, higher rank. What it's trying to do is way so much more than what Past Lives is trying to do. Past Lives is not trying very hard to do anything. I mean... No, you 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 disagree with that? What is Past Lives attempting? <laughs> I mean, it's making a it's making a drama. It's a small, yeah. incredibly small story, and it and it sticks to landing. It does a good job. Indiana Jones also sticks to landing slightly less well, but it's hard. also trying to do a million times more. It's hard to accomplish like conveying like I don't know emotions that just feel real. Uh, yeah. And especially with like friendship and um, like people from your past, I just I think that is a tough thing to to get right. And I think past lives gets it right. Um, I just I need to say that like Full River Red, which I just talked about, is 157 minutes. And I'm glad to know that your cutoff for how long a movie can be is 156 minutes. Because Indiana Jones is the fucking Dial of Destiny's 155. And you've seen it twice, motherfucker. What's yeah. going on here? Okay, <laughs> ask yourself this, JR. Which of those two movies do you think is more watchable? You, you hate Asia, so... <laughs> Give me a break. Even you, even you who love Zhang Yimou uh, would acknowledge that an Indiana Jones movie is going to be more watchable than any Asian film ever made. I mean, there, there, it's just, it's, well, it's, a, it's, Hollywood, it's, it's Hollywood popcorn fair. Of course right. it's more watchable. It passes but like it's a 70 minute movie. You're, you're defending something that we spend so much time on this podcast hating. What? It's it's just a, a basic popcorn movie, but it's trying so many... I don't know. No, it's doing... John, it's, I'm, okay, no, 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 no. Uh, it's a basic popcorn movie. Well, that I've is lost true. my mind. I've lost it's it. a Hollywood blockbuster movie, just like uh, Fast X, right? Fast X is a piece of shit blockbuster movie. Indiana Jones is a very good blockbuster movie. That's the difference. You can do something poorly, and you can do something well. Past Lives does romantic drama or relationship drama very well. Whereas, let me go down on my list. I'm sure there's awful relationship drama movies. Uh, actually, I can't find any. Sorry. But you know, you know what I mean? There are bad versions of every movie and there are good versions of every movie. So, yeah. I mean, you know, and what that, what a movie's trying for, I think is important. I mean, what a movie has, uh, Indiana Jones is holding a lot more plates in the air spinning. At the same time, I guess, past I mean, lives is. <laughs> just being like narratively, or just like in in terms of like ambition, like literally I, every in every way possible. Every way, okay. I mean, there's more. Right. There's more to the story. There's about a million. Uh, the story is about a million times more complicated, and it's not convoluted, which is hard to do. The the they, there's a bunch more performances. The script is more complex. The I mean I'm not saying it's like that's why it's better. I'm just saying like it's going for those things and it's doing a g- relatively good job with them. And Past Lives is doing the same thing, a, a relatively good job, maybe a slightly better job even. But the things that it's trying for aren't nearly as impressive in my opinion. Okay. Like One Fine Morning is above both of these movies for me. So if that helps. <laughs> That is that sounds fine. You really like, yeah, that's, that, you really like, like that movie. That, that's that's fine, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, I have it, it's sorry, it's not that just like I don't know. 
I don't know. Um, Giles, I'll say this. Yeah, say it. I agree with you that Air is a piece of shit. Yes. Yes. <laughs> thank you. I knew you would. I was afraid you were going to like it, actually, and then you didn't. I was like, thank God. <laughs> it's it's actually like, I, I thought that was disgusting. Yeah. It's uh, brutal. I, I thought it was really stupid. And it's like, you got Vi- Viola Davis there to be Michael Jordan's mom, and like, mm-hmm. you've done such a good job of like making her like, um, feel it's like she cares about her son and her family, but she's like not going to take shit from anyone. But then you like, the end when Matt Damon calls and like accepts like her terms, the deal you see like her break, like she's so relieved as though she's just been posturing the whole time. I was like, that's bullshit. That was bullshit. Ugh. And you fucking yeah. disgusting shoe company. Ah, oh, gross. Okay. Anyway, it's the worst dude. One <laughs> of the worst shitty, of the year. Shitty movie. <sighs> it's Sorry. in my, uh, bottom six right now. So, <laughs> It's, you know, six from the bottom. Anyway. Uh, okay. Right. Well, that's it for our show then. Uh, thanks for listening. Until next time, you can visit our website, filmiacpodcast.com. Yeah. Write to us, filmiacpodcast.gmail.com. Or when are you guys saying hold something? Up, hold up. Sorry, go ahead. JR, what are we watching next time? Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm so not used to this new format, dude. <laughs> I was like so skipping right over JR. <laughs> Jesus Christ. You're just you're still Sorry, JR. All right. No, it's um, nothing like no, that. Okay. <laughs> I can't believe um, I did that. Sorry guys. Go ahead. I'll edit that out. No, we're gonna uh we're gonna watch a Pablo Lorraine movie. Hey. And uh, that movie's Perfect. gonna be El Conde. <laughs> oh okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> I wanna watch it and uh, I just I didn't realize yeah. it was coming to Netflix so soon. I uh, was, for a second, I thought you were going to make us watch another Pablo Rain movie, and I was like, oh, that's perfect, because then we can talk about Okande and that. But this is fine. I'm going to watch Okande regardless, so it's good. I never watched Naruto, for instance, but... I didn't either. Uh, I feel like I've seen most of them, but yeah, some of this one escaped me. All right, so we'll be watching uh, El Conde... Uh, the, the 2023 release uh, on Netflix for next time. Until then, thanks for listening. Visit our website, filmmacpodcast.com. Write to us, filmmacpodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram, filmmacpodcast. And until next time, thank you so much for listening. Bye. I want to tickle your feet, drop you in your little tub. Wash your body and shampoo your hair. Be careful not to sting your eyes. When it's night, I put you in your bed. So what face am I making in that in that still? You know, you're pissed. You're like, why are they still talking about Spider-Man? Got this eyebrow <laughs> raised. I haven't mm. seen it. Move on. <laughs> As I said, I mean, I've seen all the good movies. I have not seen <laughs> Spider-Man. It must not be good.